So my goal for you and for me is health. Uh, I, I want you to be healthy. I want your mind to be healthy. I want your heart to be healthy and whole. I want your body and your relationships to be healthy. Now, I ended last week talking about this feeling of, of not waiting, this sense of urgency in my own life, and, and I hope in your life as well, to just say, okay, I'm not going to wait. I'm going to begin to look at my life and what I'm going through now and begin to, to make some choices, to find healing now. We always get to the end of the year and then we start a new year and we, we say things, all right, new year, new me, right? This is going to be the year when things change. And my, my hope is when 2019 ends this year, that there'll be a lot of us who say, I'm not sure I'm ready for 2019 to end. That this is a place where I feel like I'm the healthiest I've ever been. I'm not, I don't have it all together. I don't have it all figured out. But man, I just feel like right now is the healthiest I've been in a long time. And that you'll be able to look back and you'll say, that's because of some choices that I made. And as we look at our hurts and our hangups and our habits, I've told you this. You begin to do a couple of things as you have to pay attention to those. One of those is you mask it. You mask those hurts you've had. You mask the hangups and the habits. You don't want anyone to, to find out. And so you mask it with all kinds of different things. And sometimes they're good things. Or you just deny that you have a problem. Like I love the words that, that Greg has, has written. Like for us just to be able to say, like I'm struggling. God, I'm, I'm struggling. I don't know what to do. This place of being honest and not denying. Right? Denial will never help us be healthy. It will never help us find healing. Now, my, I have a brother-in-law who is about to turn five, and uh, my, my in-laws adopted a little boy, and so he's almost five, and he was at our house last week, and my nieces and nephews were over at our house, and my nieces had been in town for a little while as we were working through the funeral and everything, and she brought some schoolwork with her, and so she was making a cell, and she had this big styrofoam ball in our basement, and she would go down, and she had some free time, and she would paint on this cell, on this styrofoam ball, and making it look like a cell. Uh, well, Liam, my five-year-old um, brother-in-law, <laughs> made his way down into the basement alone at some point. And he comes back upstairs, and then my daughter and her cousin, they go back downstairs, and they realize that the cell looked a little different. Uh, there had been some paint added to the cell. And so they go and find Liam, and they bring Liam down there, and my daughter uh, says, Liam, did you, did you paint on this? And like most little kids, no? No? You know, I'm not sure if there, were, there was paint on him somewhere proving it was him, but my daughter asks again, you know, Liam, did you paint on here? No, no. And so my daughter in that moment says, Liam, you know there's video cameras down here, right? <laughs> and Liam, I guess, just looks at Heather, or at my, my daughter, Kennedy, and he says, I did. I, I painted on the, the cell, right? This denial, we don't want to own up to it. Right? We don't want to own up to it, but, but what, what if? I don't know what you think about God. What if we just had this idea that God already knows? Like God's not going to be surprised when you begin to say, all right, God, I'm struggling in these areas. Let me, let me tell you those areas I have hurts and hangups and habits. God, let me, let me tell you, he's not going to be surprised. And so we can move past masking and we can move past denial and we can begin to make some decisions, some choices, some healing choices that will help us be healthy. Minds bodies, heart, relationships. This could be the healthiest you've ever been. And some of you have made these decisions. Some, some of this isn't new to you. you. You at some point, you've 
heard something like this. And you said, okay, these are the decisions I'm going to make for my life. And you've found some healing in the midst of some hurts. And we looked at week one. We're, we're looking at this moment where Jesus preaches. And he preaches to a group of people. And oftentimes we could hear this teaching from Jesus and we could assume that Jesus is saying, this is what you should be like. This is who you should attempt to become. But really what we see is it's an invitation. Jesus is making an announcement to everyone who is listening that he is here for them. That, that he has come for you. And it's not something that we're aspiring to be. And so uh, week one, we're looking in Matthew 5. If you don't own a Bible, there's a Bible around you somewhere. Uh, please take that. We'd love for you to have that. Uh, but Matthew 5, we looked week 1, Matthew 5, 1 through 3. We see Jesus begin to preach. And before he talks about anything else, he begins to give this description called the Beatitudes of who the kingdom is for. And he says this. Now when he saw the crowds, he came up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him. And he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, or you could say the spiritually bankrupt. Those who at some point realized that they're not enough on their own. Like sometimes we would think if we admit that, then, then maybe God isn't for me. But if we could just come to a point where we said, all right, I need God. I can't do it on my own. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is yours. And so I encourage you just little choices along the way. Week one, just begin to say, all right, I have this need. I admit that I can't figure it out on my own and I need you, God, to intervene. And then he says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I told you last week, this mourn isn't the mourning of a loss. Uh, Jesus is not saying you should be blessed or happy when someone close to you dies. What he is saying is the mourning and the grieving that takes place when we realize our own brokenness. And that doesn't turn us away from God, but it turns us to a God who says, comforts us. And so you have to begin to make those choices. And as you do that, some things might come up, right? You begin to feel some guilt again. You have to begin to own. And so you, be, you begin to feel some guilt and some, some shame. And you begin to tell yourself this story about your past. A story that probably isn't true, but you begin to believe. And then it keeps you from experiencing what God wants from you. And so shame is one of those emotions that will continue to keep you in a cycle that will never lead to healing. Uh, Brene Brown, one of my favorite authors, she says this. She says, shame corrodes the very part of us that believes that we are capable of change. Like when you are drowning in shame and guilt, you are unable to see that your life could be different. That no matter what you've experienced in the past doesn't mean that you can't experience something different in the future. So shame begins, guilt begins to corrode that part of your life to think, okay, I am capable of, of change. I am capable of seeing a different kind of life. And so then what happens when you're drowning in guilt and shame and that begins this cycle, many of us, I know for my own self, you become angry. You become angry at your past. You become angry at the people who have hurt you. You become angry at the people who have nothing to do with your hurts or hangups or habits. You just begin to be angry. Maybe you even get to a point where you begin to be angry with God. So guilt and shame then begins to lead to anger, which then leads to some fear. Right? Because then you begin to wonder, if you're not capable of change, will anything look different? This fear of being found out, the, the fear that comes with always struggling with those habits. 
So guilt leads to anger, which leads to fear. And then it leads you to sometimes the season of depression, uh, the season of questioning our worth and our purpose. And then usually what happens, that just makes us feel guilty and full of shame again. And so if you know anything about changing in any area of your life and you're in a cycle, something has to interrupt that cycle or nothing ever changes, right? You can't eat the same way and not exercise and tell people, I'm going to lose weight and get healthy. But what are you going to do? Nothing. I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to continue doing what I've always done. If you continue doing what you've always done, you'll always get what you have always got. And so you have to change. There has to be something that steps in to interrupt that cycle. And so what is that? Well, I, I want to tell you that I think it is Jesus. Like that shouldn't be too much of a surprise. Uh, we find ourselves here this morning. But, but honestly, I, I just want to say that I think Jesus is the one that interrupts that cycle. Uh, listen to this scripture uh, in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. Jesus says this, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is saying, just make that choice. Just, just make the first choice of coming to me. You tired? You exhausted from just maybe playing the game? Are you, are you tired of hiding? Are you tired of dealing with those same hurts that you've always dealt with? Jesus says, just come, come to me. And what happens, you'll begin to find rest. Not, not just a little rest, but rest for your soul. And then he makes this statement that could be a little uh, unfamiliar to us because we don't usually use the language of a yoke. Uh, but he says, take my yoke upon you. Uh, there are two kinds of yokes. One that would go on oxen uh, that makes work easier for the other one, right? So they work together. And, and many people would think that that's what it is. And, and maybe it is a little bit. But the other one, the rabbis during that day, the people who were teaching, their teaching was called a yoke. And so Jesus being a rabbi says, hey, come to me, find rest for your souls and then take on my teaching. And when you take on my teaching, it's not burdensome. It's not burdensome. It is light and easy. Take my yoke upon you. And so if you're in this cycle and you've always tried to begin to wonder, well, how do I get out of the cycle? It's by coming to Jesus. And this really isn't a one-time thing. So some of you are like, yeah, I, I came to Jesus 30 years ago, but it is an ongoing process. It is a daily decision, maybe even moment by moment where you say, I'm going to come to Jesus again. I got to come to Jesus again. I got to break through that cycle of guilt and shame and anger and fear and depression. And I'm going to come to Jesus because his yoke is easy and he will give me rest for my soul. So the choice number three, the first one is just to say, I have this need. The second one is to believe that there's power and hope. There's power and hope in knowing what God could do. And then choice number three is that we begin to commit our lives to Jesus that we would surrender control of our lives, which includes our past, it includes our present, and it includes our future. See, your choices, my choices, usually, not always, but usually, will determine the circumstances we find ourselves in. Like you can't control what other people do, you can't control what someone did to you years ago. All we control is how we move forward. 
Yeah, so if you were <clears throat> around St. Louis this week, um, some of you maybe got to head south, but uh, it was a little cold this week, um, and so I saw all the, the Elsa and Anna and the Frozen comments. So I have a, a teenage daughter and, a, and an eight-year-old, and so Frozen's one of those shows, those movies I've seen many times, but there is that statement in Frozen, right? And that statement is, let it go. Let it go. The commitment number three, the choice that we begin to make now is that we begin to let it go. We begin to let go of some of the things in our past, a lot of the things in our past. Jesus says, so Sermon on the Mount, continuing Matthew 5, verse 5, he says this, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Meek does not mean weak. In this, Jesus is not saying you need to be weak, but meekness actually means strength under control. To be meek is to be strong, to be strong but able to surrender. When they would have heard this, they would have thought of a wild stallion, uh, an animal that has a massive amount of strength but, but also able to take under control and to respond to his master. So God's not looking for you to be weak but to have strength, a strength that says, I need help. A strength that says, I want to give myself completely to God. I want to give God control of my life. I told you last week I started coaching a basketball team. Uh, Week number one didn't live up to my expectations. I had really bad expectations for what my team was going to look like and what they were going to be able to do. We lost. I'm happy to say yesterday we won 20 to 2. Much better uh, result. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, it was all about me. And uh, we won 20 to 2, but we got up by a lot. And there was this point in the game where I had to tell my boys to pull back. Right? Okay, we're, we're up by a lot. They haven't scored. They can barely even get to the goal. Okay, let's just, you're strong. You're doing an amazing job. But what we're going to do is we're going to pull back. And I want you to, if you know about basketball, three-point line, don't leave the three-point line. Everybody got it? Yeah, I got it. They run out there. They bring the, the other team brings the ball down. They all run up to half court, right? Like they, there was no way for them to, to pull back. In their strength and their excitement and their ability, it was like impossible for them to restrain themselves. A meekness. I'm not asking you to be weak. To be meek says, I'm strong because God has created me strong, but I need to give my life to someone else. I need to give control of my life to God. And that is the invitation for you and for me. And so the question is, would you surrender your life to God? Would you begin to let go of some things from your past? See, the things from your past, many of you are bringing into your present. Uh, I have a little visual. Hold on just a second. I really wasn't looking for stars, but this will, uh, this will work for our illustration here. Here's what I know to be true about my own life, and I know to be true about many of you. For many of you, especially if you've been around church for a long time, you at some point got to a place where you said, no, 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 I I know I'm forgiven and I know God loves me. And so you say, yeah, I have found, I've found forgiveness. But this is what I know to be true. You live in such a way where you say I am forgiven, but there's something that hangs over you. There's something that you take into every single relationship. No, 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 I'm free. I'm not holding on to anything. Okay, why have a difficulty connecting with your spouse? Why are you so angry with your kids? 
What is it that you have been unable to let go of that everywhere you go, it just follows you around and that you've never really been able to let it go? And then if we're honest, what really happens, this is how we live life. We hold on to it, right? And for some of us, we're able to still function and do life holding on to some of the things that have hurt us in our past, those hangups we've been unable to get through and the habits that we just can't break. And so we live life like this. And there's some things that today I'm going to encourage you to begin to let go of. And the first one is pride. For us to submit and surrender our lives, we have to admit that we need that as we looked at week one. Like we hold on to our pride and we think, oh, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. I'm strong enough. I, I know what my mom did to me. I know what she said to me. I know she wasn't there for me. And I'm not going to give that up. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold on to those things. I can still do life. I can still function. I can still go to work. I can still make money. I can still be in relationship with people. I'm still free to live as I need to live. And so the first thing that we have to give up is our pride. We see Adam and Eve, and I'm not going to go into a lot of this, but Adam and Eve, when they make a mistake, they begin to hide. And then they begin to cover themselves, and they live in shame and guilt. But at some point, when God comes looking for them, they have to step out and be found and believe that they can surrender their pride, their mistakes that they've made, and let go of those things and find healing with God. Now, the, the other thing that we begin to hold on to, as we talked about earlier, that's going to cause problems here in a minute, is, uh, is our guilt, right? So, as I said, you live in this cycle of guilt and shame, and so uh, you, you live in this place of living in your guilt, See, you, you know your heart. You know your mind. You, you know what has happened. And for some of you, some things happened to you that you have blamed yourself for. So you have felt shame and guilt and you thought, man, if I'd have just done something different, if I'd have just told somebody, if I'd have been a better kid, right? And so it's not only just the only, your own decisions that you've made, but it's the decisions of the people around you. You begin to live in guilt and shame for their choices. And then you're not living free. You're, you're not able to live in the way God has created you to live. Psalm 40, um, that this is the scripture that is, um, David writes. He says this to God. Do not withhold your mercy from me, O Lord. May you love May your love and your truth always protect me. For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head and my heart fails within me. Oftentimes when we live in guilt and shame, we are unable to really look up to God. Right? We live this way where we think, man, there's no way that God could love me. There's no way that God could forgive me. There's no way God could set me free. I've told him over and over, I'm going to stop. And then you don't stop. And so you go back to God again and again. And then at some point, some of you quit. You quit making promises. You quit trying to believe that things could look different. You are living, as Brene Brown says, your shame corrodes the part of your life that makes you believe that things could change. And so you hold on to the guilt and the shame in your like you punish yourself, you sabotage good things because of your guilt and your shame. There's this guy named Judas. I don't know how much you know about the Bible, but there's a guy named Judas. At the end of Jesus' life, uh, Judas betrays Jesus. He turns him over 
And that leads to what ultimately happens in the life of Jesus, to be crucified and to go to the, the cross. And then Judas takes his own life. And I've often wondered what would have happened if Judas didn't. Like what if Judas, in the midst of his guilt and his shame, he just kind of, he hung on. He hung on. I don't know how, but he hung on. And then Jesus goes to a cross and he dies and he comes back. I wonder what would have happened if Judas could have seen Jesus eye to eye. If Jesus would have been able to love Judas in that moment. But the shame and the guilt that Judas experiences does not allow him to move into a new future. And so you live like this, right? I can still function. I can still do life. I can do what I need to do, but it becomes more difficult, right? It becomes more difficult. And so uh, fear, right? Fear keeps us stuck, right? Our pride, we got to start letting go of pride, but man, it's just, it's hard. And then we need to let go of the guilt and the shame, but I'm just not sure I can do that yet. And so then we become afraid as we talked about this fear of, of failing, right? We have this fear, as I said before, we've told, we've told God we would change and that we didn't change and then we believe that we could never change. We have this fear of our hurts always hanging over our head. We have this fear of never getting through those hangups, those negative emotions that it just seems like are always with us. We're short with people, we're angry about everything and we're just unable to get through that or those habits. Like I know I know that for some of you, those habits, maybe they've been going on for a long time. And in the midst of those habits, you're afraid of getting found out. You're afraid of what the steps might look like to find healing. And so that fear keeps you from letting go. That that fear keeps you from reaching out to something that would bring hope to your life and healing to your mind and to your heart and to your soul. And so you say, man, if I was to give that up, if I was to really give up control of my life, it's going to cost me something. I, I can no longer just trust in myself. Oh, no. Okay, I, I can't let that go. All right. I got to hold on to that pride, right? I can't let it go. But man, when you begin to say, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to admit that I need to give up control. It can be scary and we become afraid. What if people think we're crazy? Right? What if people don't respond like we hope they will when we tell them that for the past 10 years I've struggled with this? What happens if I admit that something happened to me when I was a kid? How will people respond? People aren't going to really know my pain, so I'm just going to hold it in and I'm afraid to tell anybody. I'm really afraid to tell God. Cuz how will God look at me or what will God do? There's this guy named Zacchaeus in the Bible. He was kind of hated. Uh, He was a tax collector, and so he kind of stole from his own people. And there was this moment where Zacchaeus knows that Jesus is coming. And so Zacchaeus, already kind of overlooked and not uh, someone that people want to be around, he really could care less about other people. I just think there's this moment for Zacchaeus where he says, I'm going to let my pride go. Uh, The guilt that I have for stealing from my own people, I'm going to let that go in this moment. Uh, the fear of how people are going to think about me when I climb this tree and overlook the parade route, I don't even care. Zacchaeus climbs the tree and Jesus sees him. He calls him out. He says, Zacchaeus, I want to be with you. 
today, I, I want to go to your house. In, in having a meal with someone, it was a saying uh, that you wanted to be near to them or to be friends with them or to say, I want to be around you. So Jesus is saying to Zacchaeus, who maybe gets to a point where he lets his pride go and he begins to deal with his guilt and he says, okay, I'm not afraid anymore. He begins with Jesus. He says, I don't care what anyone thinks. The only way I'm going to break this cycle is to call out to Jesus. Then there's worry. I've been pretty open and honest about this in my own life. That, that worry, I don't know if there's many other things like worry that keeps us from experiencing healing. Uh, Paul at one point says, don't be anxious about anything. And every time I read that, I'm like, Paul, you don't know what I'm going through. Right? If you know the story of Paul, Paul had his own things. And I read that all the time. Don't be anxious about anything. Don't, don't be anxious about how people are going to respond. Don't, don't be anxious or worry. Or when you do, because actually what he says is when you do, that you would turn those into prayers or petitions. And so what I do know, cause, and I've shared, and I, I'm, I'm honest, this all happened for me probably three or four years ago and having some panic attacks and my own um, periods of depression and figuring things out and beginning to see a counselor. Um, you begin to worry about opening some of those things back up. You, you begin to worry again about how people are going to respond. Will the people close to you understand and what if they don't? And so I know you've experienced some horrible things. I know you've made some really bad decisions and you're worried about what moving forward may look like. And dive into those things are scary. It's hard work. It is. I want to be honest with you. Uh, the healing that can come will not come easily. It will take some work. It, it will take some belief that things will get better because you are being honest and you are believing in the one that can bring healing. And so you worry. Uh, you're nervous to work through those hang-ups. You're nervous to, to begin to deal with those habits. And I think part of worrying has to do with forgiveness. Like, you, you really worry, can God really forgive you? Like, if you really were to let this go, if I'm to really let these things go, can I really believe that God will forgive me for what's happened? Can I really trust in that? Because I'm not sure God would forgive me for that. Or the harder part is, we worry what it might look like if I forgive someone else. Like if I forgive my dad, if I forgive him for, for leaving, if I don't continue to try and punish him, if I, if I can forgive my ex-spouse, if I can really forgive the person who hurt me, does that just tell them that it was okay? Because I want to hold on to that. I want to hold on to that. And what forgiveness does is, forgiveness never excuses. Right? What I would say most of us think is, if I forgive someone, it means I excuse them for what they've done wrong. And that's not the case. What, what forgiveness does is it names the wrong. It names your wrong. It names the person's wrong that has hurt you. You name it. You name it as sinful, you name it as against what God would want, you name it. You don't make excuses. And then you forgive. And then you say, I'm no longer going to allow that to control me. 
I'm no longer going to worry about what it might look like if I let that go. Because the question is, is it worth it? Right? I'm still at a point where I can function in life right now. I mean, I'm, I'm able to do it. It's a little more difficult. Um, but, but it's hard work to, to carry this around. It's hard work for you to continue to carry this around. Because what happens is when I try and get close to people, there's this barrier to being able to do that. Right? There's this barrier as I attempt to get close to God. There are things that are in the way. <clears throat> and so I hope that maybe today that worry would become less. Or that when you do worry, you'd begin to pray. That you'd begin to ask God to help you no longer be anxious. Because this is what you also worry about. Because I, I, I know uh, you worry about tomorrow. Like if I was to give up my pride and my fear and, and my guilt and shame and those worries, well, what is it going to look like tomorrow? Like I don't know what it's going to look like with my relationships. And so let me, let me just say this. Uh, we get confused between decision-making and problem-solving. I'm not telling you today I'm going to solve all your problems. What I am saying is, would you just decide today to let go? Uh, when I got married, I made a decision. Uh, I made a decision to commit myself to Heather, to my wife. I didn't know what the next day was going to look like. Uh, I didn't know what 10 years later was going to look like, or now 16 years later. I didn't, I didn't know. Right? I just made a decision to say yes, and then to believe that I would figure some things out along the way. I lived with freshmen in a college dorm for three years. I was moving from that to my wife. I had some areas to grow, okay? But I wasn't going to worry about those things. I was just making a decision to say yes. Today, you're just, just hopefully going to make a decision to say, all right, I'm going I'm to let go of some things and move on. And then the last thing, this, let's see. Our doubts, right? So uh, as we think about the cycle of, of shame and, and what that leads to, in the midst of all of that, I think we have these doubts. We have doubts, maybe even whether or not God is real, right? You hear me talk about God and that we're going to give our lives over to God, and you may think, I don't even know if that's real. And I would say, I'm glad you're here. This is a great place for you to come and say, I'm not sure I believe, but I'll give it a shot. I'm not sure I believe everything about Jesus. I'm not, I've read the Bible and I'm not sure I believe. And you have doubts. All right. This is a great place to be. You, you doubt that you can change. Right? You, you, you doubt that there's someone who could come alongside of you and help you change. You, you doubt that you could ever get through those hurts that happen to you. Like you're like, Kyle, I know that all sounds great, but I just don't think it's for me. I'll keep coming, I'll keep doing life like this, and I'll exist. But you're not healthy. Your, your past is coming into your present, and it is affecting your future. It is affecting what God wants for you in your life. I can function. I'm okay. So, so that's interesting, though. I was watching a guy kind of talk about that this week, uh, this idea of letting go. And uh, often what happens, because what Paul would probably do, and I love Paul asking, 
Paul would just allow me to continue to hold on to these things. Right? So if Paul came up, Paul would come over and he could slide this for me, but I'm still carrying this. Right? You might even have some people that help you continue to carry some things. You don't have people around you who are saying things could look different. And maybe you're at a place in your life where you think, man, I'm so thankful I made these decisions years ago. I'm so thankful that I have found some healing in my life. And if that's you, would you begin to walk with some people? Would you begin to come near to people and say, can I take some of that from you? Can I pray for you and help you find healing in your life? I won't look at all, but in Mark 9, there's a guy whose son is healed. And he begins to ask God for Jesus for healing. Uh, And in his request, he says, if you can. Right, the request to Jesus. I know you've done a lot, Jesus. I've heard the stories of the healing you brought. If you can, would you heal my child? If you can. I want to hold on to a little bit. You might not. And so I'm going to to hold on to that worry and fear that maybe you won't. I'm going to doubt a little bit. And he says, if you can. And Jesus' response is, if you can. Right? Right? If if you can. Jesus makes this statement that the things that are impossible are possible with God. The things that are impossible are possible with God. And his response is, I do believe. I do believe. Will you, will you help me overcome my unbelief? Right? I, I believe that you can bring healing. There's just some things in my life. I, just, I, I have a little bit of unbelief. Would you help me with my unbelief? That's who Jesus is. That Jesus comes near and says, if I can... Things are possible that you see as impossible. And our response is, all right, help me with my unbelief. And he heals him. He heals his child. And when people say, oh, it's too late, he's dead, Jesus says he's not dead. And he brings life to something that was dead. So areas in your life where you feel like things are dead and you are holding on, would you just know that there is a chance for healing? That there is a chance that God would come through? And so until you let go, this will continue to impact your life, right? And so we we begin to let go of some pride and we begin to let go of fear and guilt and shame and doubt, right? And we let those things, oh, I'm still holding on, right? I'm still holding on. And what we could do is I could say, I've let go of everything. And I could just continue going through life like this. But man, to find real freedom is to cut ourselves loose from those things, right? And so moving forward, you're going to have to make this decision that my past is my past. I'm no longer going to live there. And I'm going to move forward. But in closing, it's not enough. It's not enough. You, you could easily say, all right, I'm going to let go of those things, but what are you going to replace that with? What, what are you going to begin to hold on to? Because you're going to be really tempted to find out how to get those back. Right? And you will go to lengths to continue to hold on to those things. But we find freedom. And so we go back to the words of Jesus. Come to me. Come to me. Your marriage broken. Come to me. Addicted. Come to me. You have hurts from someone in the past. Come to me. Are you tired? Are you exhausted? Are you worn out? Come to me. The invitation is from Jesus to come to him. To find rest and to find health 
and to find life. Blessed are the meek, those who are able to say, I'm strong, God's created me to be strong, but I know I need to give up control of my life. The meek say, I will trust in God. The meek say, I'll commit my ways to God. The the meek say, I'm not going to be weak or lazy, but I'm going to be free from frenzy. I'm going to be free from the chaos in my life, and I'm going to cling to God. This is it. Philippians 3. Greg, you can go ahead and make your way up. Paul, who you've heard me say over and over, he killed people. He killed Christians. He thought his life, he was being so zealous and doing a good work that he was actually killing Christians. It started just by holding some coats of those who were persecuting Christians and beating Christians. He just holds the coats and then he begins to ask, can I go find them? Can I seek them out? And then he has this moment where his life changes. Can you imagine the guilt and the shame that Paul experienced? Like the, the images, right? In the, in the midnight hour, I don't know if you have that, in the middle of the night when you wake up and you become overwhelmed with certain things. You can only imagine what that looked like for, for Paul. And Paul writes this to a group of people in Philippians 3, verse 12. Not that I've already obtained all of this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I'm going to take hold of something else. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. He says, look, it's close to me. Right? It's, it's close, and I'm... I'm, I'm taking hold of it. I'm, I'm grabbing it and I'm looking for that which will bring healing. Do not consider myself yet have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Paul says, I, I, I have a past. You think you have a past? I have a past. And I got to a point where I believed that the grace was available to me. Paul got to a point where he believed his future could look different. And he said, I'm forgetting about those things. And I'm going to hold tightly to what God says about me. I'm going to hold tightly to what he wants to do in me. Most of the Bible that you read in the New Testament is written by Paul. What what if Paul would have said, I want to take hold of it, but I just can't get past my past. Paul says, "I'm, I'm moving on. And when it comes back, I'm going to let go of it again. I'm not going to hold tight to it. I'm going to let it go and I'm going to hold tightly to what is ahead of me. It says this, verse 14, I press on, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I'm gonna let go of that stuff and I'm gonna hold tightly to who God is and what he wants to do in my life. Some of you at some point committed to follow Jesus. You heard about grace and you heard about forgiveness and you accepted that and you were saved. And there's a place in heaven for you but that doesn't mean that you've always let go of things. And that maybe today you would just say, I want to give control of my life to him. I want to give him all those things in the past and I want to press on to what he has for me in the future. And maybe today is that day. Some of you, maybe you're in this moment where you're like, I don't know if I've ever even accepted forgiveness for everything I've done. Today is the day that I would want you just to reach out and grab a hold of that. 
the grace and forgiveness. And then hopefully very quickly, and maybe it is today, you would say, all right, in doing that, I also want to give control of my life. All my hurts, all my hangups, all my habits, I'm going to surrender those things and let go and believe that God has a new future for me. And I'm going to hold tight to those. See, you can do this. You can hold tightly to this because this begins to change you and then my relationships go deeper than they've been before. My purpose is magnified for what God wants for me. I can hold on to this, the ways of God, and be healthier than I've ever been. You cannot hold on to those things and be healthy. And so would today be a day? Would today be a day that you let go? This is one of the most important choices that you'll make as we work through these life's healing choices is to let go and then to believe. Not just to let go, but then to believe that God's grace is for you, that his future is for you, to give you hope and a future. So would you stand? I'm going to pray for us, but as you stand and Greg begins to just play, uh, I don't want to rush through this. Uh, I'm committing myself to you. Uh, I'm committing to walk through life with you. And there's a bunch of people around you who would as well. Uh, So not only would you begin to let go and you find freedom, uh, but then there's also this invitation to allow someone to walk with you. I'll probably say this every week. Uh, Forgiveness comes when we confess our sins to God. We confess our hurts and our hangups and our habits. There's a forgiveness and grace. But the scripture says there's a healing when I confess to one another right? So I'm not going to think any different of you. I'm going to be so happy that you have decided to be me, to be super strong and strong enough to say that I need someone. I need some help. I'll walk with you. My students, I'll go with you. I'll go with you to your parents. I'll I'll walk alongside you. Kristen will go with you. If you're married or you're dating or whatever it is, I'll walk with you. But you don't have to do this on your own and I'll help you carry what God wants for you. So what is it for you? If you make a decision and you need someone to know, would you tell someone that maybe brought you or someone close to you, would you tell me that today, don't wait, right? Don't wait. Feel the sense of urgency that today is the day. I'm gonna let go. The enemy will wanna tell you, you can do it next week. Do you really wanna let go of all that? The enemy will begin to speak. Would you choose to listen to the one who knows you, everything about you and loves you? Would you hold on to that? Would you pray with me? God, I'm so thankful that for all of us, no matter where we've been or where we find ourselves now, that your grace is for us. That we don't have to carry our past into our future. God, would you help us? Would you help us to fight off the, the things that would tell us that we can't change? God, I speak against the shame and the guilt that we carry around. God, would you help us to believe? Would you help our unbelief that things could look different? God, we need you. We can't do this on our own. Would you help us to do this? Would you help us to make a healing choice today so that we may experience life to the fullest now? I pray in Jesus' name. Would you sing with us?